Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Jonah Ray. Dio can't be here because he is on a tiger made out of lightning bolts. But in this episode, we have Lance Bangs joining us. We got some music news and we got all kinds of stuff. So please stay tuned. Thank you, Patrick McCormick, for that theme song. If you have one of your own, uh, please send it in to jonahradio at gmail.com. Uh, there's going to be some competition coming in. Not that it's a competition, but uh, uh, the guys from Turf War said uh, when they get back from tour, they're going to be making a Jonah Radio theme song. And uh, Ryan uh, Honus, Honus Honus, Honus Boner from uh, Man Man, uh, he's on his way to Omaha, and he's going to make a, a theme song there. And I'm going to ask him if he can try and convince the guys from The Faint and Cursive to just do a We Are the World style version. Uh, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen. So thank you for tuning in to Jonah Radio. Producer Cash Hartzell's here. Cash, say hello. Hello. Thank you. Neil Mahoney is here. Hello, Neil. Hello, Jonah. Thanks for Neil Mahoneying for us tonight. Nope. nope. You see, you're doing it again. You're concentrating too much on the soundboard. and you, No, see? You can't do that. You're not allowed to, like, when you disapprove, it's not your show. It's not Neil Mahone Radio. It's not the Mahone Zone. Uh, and with us is our guest. Uh, you've uh, He's been a part of every cool thing, I think, for the past uh, 20 years. So please, everybody, welcome Mr. Lance Bangs. Hello. Now, Lance... Uh, we're going to get into it later, but you somehow – I don't want to say you're a Zelig because a Zelig just kind of uh, you know, blends in. <laughs> right. More nebbishy. Yeah, yeah. Just kind you, of shows up. Yeah. You are, you are the, the, uh, the visor of the indie rock scene, and you've somehow been able to be a part of uh, every neat thing that's come up from that. I think we'll we'll get into that later, and uh, I'm also disappointed that you're not wearing a visor tonight. Oh. <laughs> it was a sunny day, hot out there. Could have used a visor. I didn't know. I got on a plane. I didn't realize how warm it would be. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened to me when I was I was uh, was doing a show up in uh, San Francisco, the Outside Lands, and when I was packing here, it was 95 degrees. So I brought uh, short sleeve shirts and a pair of shorts, and then I get up there, and it's San Francisco. And so I was freezing cold the entire time. I had put multiple plaid shirts on. Where does Outside Lands actually happen? Where do they hold it? Golden Gate Park. Okay. It yeah. feels like you're at a music festival in Sherwood Forest. Yeah. Do they have the, uh, the caches from the... Uh, yeah. Barrio. 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 The yeah. Barrio. The White Barrio is the Bay Area. No, it's pretty nice when you live with the white people. Oh, um, isn't it always, though? Yeah. Uh, you, it, do they have... Is that where they have the Renaissance Fair? No, actually, the Renaissance Fair is not there. That's that's where uh, I like that you know. No, the Renaissance Fair is, uh, is is north north in Marin. Or as I found out, we uh, on the Nerdist we interviewed Tom Morello. He says Renaissance Fair, <laughs> and I thought I was like, I didn't know you could get pretentious by <laughs> talking about a Renaissance. He'll find a way. Fair. Yeah, he will. Um, Does he take part in Renaissance fairs? Renaissance, Renaissance. Renaissance. After that many years in a band with Zach De La Rocca, De La Rocca. <laughs> you, can only, you can only pick up the inflection. Uh, no, nah, man. Rocha. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, so, Neil, let's get into some music news. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, I got it. <laughs> All right. Record scratch out of it. Romney. 
All right. Uh, so these, uh, let's get into some music news, guys. Uh, today, TLC announced that they are planning to tour next year using a hologram of bandmate Lisa Left Eye Lopez. That's right. T-Boz and Chili will be joined on stage by a laser-crafted, full-scale, three-dimensionally rendered replica of their former bandmate's corpse. Should be a good show. <laughs> Should be a good show. Um, that's uh, the, 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 two, the two-pack hologram. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I, that it was weird because you could see that his movements were in a loop. And yeah, it, so it, it made like me a, uncomfortable. It was like a big gif. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell it was a loop, but I could tell that it was um, definitely motion captured from like his videos and stuff because I saw like kind of moves like, oh, that's from that Digital Underground video. Oh, that's from <laughs> the California Love video. A little kind of sidestep. Were you at that Coachella that year, Lance? No, I missed that. I thought I was going to be down there both weekends and then ended up having to run somewhere else each time. Yeah. I just I don't I don't know if I that I appreciate a just replacing because that just you know, it's going to get kind of weird, and then all the musicians are going to be like, holograms are ticking their jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well, I could see it working in Branson. Like, that's a good place to go and know what you're getting into, and that that's what's going to be there. Oh, that's yeah, you great. Could, you can have everybody playing in Branson as holograms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you, I don't think that like, I need to go to Coachella yeah. and have it <laughs> you, pop up. Well. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And, I, and they did. They just jumped it on everybody. Like, and guess what? Dead Man's Hologram. Yeah. yeah. Dead Man's Hologram is also a remix of a uh, Oingo Boingo song. <laughs> I will make soon i uh i th- you know i want to see uh i want to see joy division uh, hologram no i want to see the rock of fire explosion uh with just one of the animatronic guys in <laughs> the rest are holograms. Yeah. um no doubt recently pulled their music video looking hot after native american groups complained that the clip which features a cowboys and indians theme was offensive so no doubt fans will have to wait a few more weeks before the band's upcoming release me like them firewater <laughs> <laughs> i don't cowboys and Indians, and like i don't know if it i can't imagine them doing anything that was that offensive no doubt they're from orange county I could absolutely picture them doing something cluelessly offensive. That's true. Like misinformed. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just, just all it is. It's just I haven't seen the video. That phase that she was in where she had the, like the Hujakaru girls. That was pretty. That was almost like there's a strong lineage of appropriation in her work. I yeah. Would say. <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah. Just like any white girl that's finding anything, <laughs> yeah. and you know when Ska when she realized Ska wasn't enough of a, a yeah. you know copying someone else's scene. Well, they are from Orange County, so isn't. Like racist stuff, isn't that technically like rediscovering their roots? That is true. <laughs> Very racist in Orange yeah, County. Like they're, they're, it's retro hate. Yeah, yeah. My dad was in the whole racist scene. I'm getting into his old records. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, have you ever heard of a uh, screwdriver? Yeah. Um, it's a lot of good David Allen Coe material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, oh, I didn't re- I didn't pre-read this one, and I I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Oh, okay. Why not? Because it involves uh, it involves people that you know. Oh. <laughs> you know what? We can do it. It's not written by me. It's written by Mike Henry. I can do it. And then if you're offended, oh, we can cut it out. Future guest Mike Henry. Future guest Mike Henry from the Smarties and the Shack Show. Maybe just scroll down the page. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's uh, um, it involves uh, Nirvana. Uh, yeah, we don't have to because I do want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Edit point. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just because it's 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 about how uh Courtney wants to do like she's trying to fight the Nirvana musical. Sure, yeah. I Oh she's I, trying to fight it. I thought she was behind it. Yeah. Well let's see. 
Let's we'll see. We'll, see. we'll <laughs> just it. read it. Whatever yeah. it is, do it. <laughs> After rumors surface of a Broadway musical based on the music of Nirvana, Courtney Love denied them, saying there will be no Nirvana musical. We tried to reach Courtney to ask her why she passed on the project, but she was busy keeping. <laughs> she was busy being questioned by police about the extremely suspicious death of Lisa Lopez's hologram. <laughs> 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 it puts the joke somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I played uh, Truth or Dare with her once. How did you win? How, what, how did how it <laughs> You just assume. Uh, She's not won. that strong on the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we, she, um, she, was, she sat down. I have, the, I have it in my stand up act, but like, basically what happened is like me and Doug Benson were uh, at a party at Chris Holmes's house, you know, your yeah, yeah. Chicago doppelganger. And um, we were, me and Doug were playing. We're and all we were doing, we're trying. We were just trying to get. Uh, we were gonna. We were like everyone's like, let's play truth or dare with these girls. And like Doug's like, let's just you dare girls to kiss me, and I'll do the same back to you. <laughs> that was how, like, how old were you at this? I was uh, <laughs> old, old, too old to be playing. Uh, you know, fucking truth or dare, or spin the bottle and shit yeah, like that. And Doug was twice as old. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I was 20. I must have been 23 or 4 yeah. when that happened. And uh, and she was walking by, and uh, I, in a drunken Tourette's moment, I go, Hey, Courtney Love, you in on this game of truth or dare? And she said, Yeah, and then sat down. And then uh, it was a girl's turn to ask her. So the girl was like, oh, Okay, Courtney Love, truth or dare? And then uh, Courtney Love said, Truth. And I was like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and then, like the girl's like best person you ever had sex with, and it turned out it was Billy Corgan. Oh, it's oh. weird. It's weird. Billy Corgan would be good at sex. <laughs> I'd imagine it involves robots and cloaks, and just kind of uh, maybe Nightmare Before Christmas playing in the background somewhere. <laughs> Ow! I don't know if I like that one. That's a bad one. That's what was that supposed to be? The correct sound. Oh well, yeah. There you go. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. All right, let's get into a song, uh, and then we'll we'll talk more with Lance. Bangs. This song is by Sirloin Sunrise. The song is called Philosophy, and uh, I really dig it. There's a, this is a submitted song.
Oh man! So yeah, that was Sirloin Sunrise. Uh, they're hail from your hometown, Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. The uh, the city so nice they had to give it eighteen nicknames. <laughs> there's Stumptown. There's Bridgetown. Rose City. Rose City. Rip t- Rip City. Puddle Town. Puddle t- Puddleton. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me correct. No, sorry, that's in Illinois. Puddleton, Illinois, sounds like a real place. Uh, so yeah, I enjoy that. It uh, had a like I was just telling Lance, it kind of has a uh, like a joggers feel, but a little more uh, a little more poppy and straightforward as opposed to the mass stuff. There, uh, this is what they said in their submission: We are at the moment a five piece hailing. That sounds. Kind of. <laughs> you think the fifth uh, guy knows? Yeah, yeah, we are at the moment. Someone may have an accident on the road. Steve prefer- Frosty, bass player or second bass player. <laughs> yeah. Um, from Portland, Oregon, the music is poppy, punky, and purely as a result of inexperience, laziness, and poor equipment. Noisy. A lot of peas. The track is also not professionally mixed. Hey, who could tell? You could. Well, this is a oddly aggressive email. Thanks for the time, I think Kevin. I might be the fifth guy that's writing that email. Yeah. <laughs> it's aggressively self-deprecating. Before I leave you, I'm going to put you in your heels while I insult my own quality. Yeah, um, but we were talking about uh, uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, who was the. Uh, if you don't remember her, she was the one with the condom on her face, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't. That was like around the time of just the weirdest style of hip hop. Baggy Crisscross, overalls. baggy over. Oh yeah, one, one strap, strap. one yeah. strap, baggy overalls. Uh, keeping the and it's weird to see this come back, but the hats with the uh, the tag still hanging off. Yeah, but yeah. because of like you know places like uh, Supreme and uh, the hundreds, they they have the sticker right. on that. They leave the sticker on the bill, which is weird. How it, like it came it came back, but in a classier way, <laughs> less uh, less distraction, <laughs> more subtle. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A flashy thing. Yeah, it's that whole that, the you know the the hip hop scene of Fairfax. Yeah, <laughs> which we can get into later. <laughs> um, but what we're talking about is uh, <laughs> you're trying to, and now let's, Wait, let's were, just. Were there any holograms in that band? In which band? Absolutely, that last band. Are any of those guys holograms? I think the fifth guy's a hologram. <laughs> they're just like they're like we don't we can't afford to keep up a hologram member. We really got to unplug him, guys. It's yeah, really. Or at least only for practices and games. And then the hologram becomes sentient and just like, I don't think you want to do that because it's writing all their songs now. <laughs> what Who if it's you- an underwhelming tour and she's just the waterfall version of herself? That's the only, <laughs> that's the only rendered effect that they have. Is that side-to-side only- side dance is the waterfall. And they only project the hologram onto a waterfall that's on stage. Oh, so man. it's just being – instead of like being on a, like a plastic sheet thing, I it's just that- being – so you kind of – it's really weird. It looks like a uh, Star like, Wars thing. It's like a whole separate guy you got to bring on the road. Yeah, I wonder if that's a, that's going to be a thing now. Is like people are putting together groups and you get signed to a major label, and it's like, yeah, you got We got to come in. You got to sign the contracts. You got to do the full body scans, and then uh, <laughs> then you go out, and then it's like, well, what? okay, <laughs> this is this is uh, Scrubs and Led Zeppelin. This is TLC and Led Zeppelin by the Hood Internet. This is the thing that got me into Hood Internet. <laughs> But you hate them. It's so good. Lisa died. Yeah. Side. She always has to turn a little too much. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Check those blind spots. Check those blind spots. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what her death taught us. Uh if anything, right guys? Um so let's let's get into the uh to the Lance Bangsness of this all. <laughs> <laughs> um now I never wanted to ask because it sounded like something that people would ask you, but there are rumors of field hockey players now um, that your <laughs> uncle is Lester Banks. Yeah, not that directly. He um, he was raised out in the sort of the southwest. I think Arizona could be New Mexico, probably Arizona. Yeah, um, by a woman that was a Jehovah's Witness and kind of broken from the rest of you know her extended family, mm-hmm. and that explains probably why he's. There was a man named Connie Bangs. It was sort of like a, I think it's fair to say, you know, convict criminal in and out of jail. And she met him and thought she could kind of rehabilitate him. Oh. And so he was the father to Lester, but he was not really, you know, he was this kind of drifting ne'er-do-well character that wasn't really tied to the rest of it. This guy is set up to win. Kind of background. (laughs) And so uh, it was like a distant relation, but I never met him while he was alive. And it wasn't like he was my dad's brother or anything that. Yeah, it was just kind of a second cousin situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wish I would have met him and I've heard great stories about him from all sorts of people over the years that I've run into and have befriended. And there's a great writer in the Bay area named Janu Helsky that was kind of taken under his wing. Uh, she was around like cream magazine, yeah. Rolling Stone writer in the seventies and, uh, the Rolling Stones had a bunch of great stories about him and they, they were under the mistaken impression that we, I was like his son. Like somehow whoever, <laughs> like I got her to direct these like visuals for them on the steel wheels. Oh really? Steel wheels. And, uh, the 40 licks tour in 2004. Yeah. Steel wheels. You would have been. No, I was like, yeah, but whoever would kind of like tell them to come meet me, gave them the, like, Oh, this is Lester's son. Oh, and so they came over and were like incredibly benevolent and like arms around me. Like, Oh, I've got oh, some great wow. stories about your dad. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, no, I'm not, he wasn't my dad, you know, but then you got hard, that, yeah, <laughs> that didn't sink in. Really with them. So they proceeded to tell me all these great stories about who they continue to believe was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> your dad. Now your dad. <laughs> One time. Um, that's it. So you, when I was saying you've been a part of like almost every cool scene for quite a while, um, as far as I, the earliest I can, track it back by doing no research and just uh, hearsay from just being an indie rock fan for you know most of my life. Does it start with the Elephant Six Collective? No, nah, that was like years into it. Okay. Yeah. And where did you grow up? I and- was in a, a military family, so we moved every you know nine to 12 months to 18 months or so from one place to another. Uh, a lot of the deep south, Valdosta, Georgia, Montgomery, Alabama, and then different spurts in New Jersey around Fort Dix and McGuire Air Force bases there. When I was there, it was kind of within striking distance of Philadelphia and New York and then Trenton, which had this great venue called City Gardens that you could go see. Remarkable shows out all the time. Yeah. Um, and New Jersey was – I mean it's kind of – I love it maybe more than most people do and, and romanticize it and love the fact Talk that to Chris Christie, like friend. drive around and, and discover all these pockets of interesting kids and weird things happening at night all over the state and that you could get to New York City and you could – get back and you know make it to high school the next morning yeah you can have fun being like a suburban kid with all the benefits of the biggest city in the country yeah um and so there you know there's a touring circuit where their bands are always coming through and again you know playing city gardens in philadelphia or venue or sorry in uh, trenton or venue in philadelphia and and then you could also hit new york and all ages spaces and house shows and the misfits kind of the post misfits crowd of kids running around and people doing rocky horror picture show at movie theaters and just a lot of weird Freakazoid kids making things happen, and I, you know, 
I kind of loved it. Now, when you were uh, going around, uh, you know, military kid, like, did you, when you get to a new town, was it like the first thing you would do is go to the record store? Yeah, weirdly enough that you say that, but yeah, I guess yeah. I, I was kind of riding my bike around and they weren't necessarily like college record radio kind of world. It was more like Turtles records and tapes. Yeah. Whatever they would have it been that they called imports that meant anything coming out of Joy Division <laughs> records, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just kind of, you know, talking to the people at work there and then finding out about once VHS tapes started also getting carried there as well, like watching movies and yeah. you know, getting further into that. Did so, you ever go to any of those early uh, Rocky Horror screenings? <laughs> Not like in 74 or whatever, but like, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess I was kind of going you're, to You're what uh, our friend Emily Gordon uh, describes as an eternal like there's just the person that's had tons of lives, yeah, and uh, and just kind of continues to like it's like wait you were around then yeah yeah and it's weird but how time can seem especially with I think like like uh, indie rock can be so storied so fast as you know punk rock hardcore yeah. all this time because like scenes flare up and within a few years are done but the like the pictures that's the thing like you know like if you think about like early uh, like you know like DC scenes stuff like that. All the pictures are in black and white, so it seems like it was forever ago. Yeah. But it's just because they couldn't afford color cameras. Yeah. And so you just it's like you just like, oh, that's that feels like it was forty years ago. It's getting close. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, so you've like you've you've been around and then in, did you get into playing music? I did. I you know, I don't think of myself as a musician. I don't identify that way, but people remind me like there are records and tapes and things that I made and Bands I was in and toured and did shows and I wish on. I would have found that out earlier. I would have had you bring some. You could probably do a quick Google search. There's a band called Bliss from Athens, Georgia that I did some like spoken word stuff with. Um, there's a band called Rosary that I was in in New Jersey. Another band called the Ember Brothers. So what did you play in these? I made uh, made my own instruments in a lot of them. Like I had a hot air popcorn machine hooked up to like condenser mics and reverb that I would turn on and tell these like fucked up stories and then. A couple minutes in, once it heated up, it would turn into this like cascading explosive reverb percussion. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Going over the that top of that, like Elephant Six kind of shit. Like, no, this is like more like suicide. Like you oh, know, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How else would I find less Bliss? whimsical? Bliss, Athens, Georgia, maybe. Okay, Bliss, Athens, Georgia. Um, and then I did a lot of uh, other bands where I kind of like tell stories or do spoken word or sing. Did you guys have anything to do with the Bliss Salon and Day Spa in Athens, Georgia? No, maybe Bandcamp. Is there like a – could you add the word Bandcamp to this? Oh, switch? yeah. I fucking love that Bandcamp. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. And then on some of the Elephant Six stuff, like I you know, would join in and bang on pots and pans. And There's a band called the Clay Bears. It's sort of a giant masked collective. I'm going to go for uh, – sorry, this is – this is stuff. Uh, band cam- Wait, you could do. Is it a uh, bliss or the bliss? Bliss. Bliss. Try my luck. No, Different but do you want to see who? <laughs> uh, do you want to know who has bliss on Bandcamp? I be uh, on it. I be on it. Uh, let's see what this is. Is this derivative? I be on supply shit. <laughs> I like it. Is this what you meant by spoken words? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the Elephant Six Collective. <clears throat> yeah, so I guess I, I guess I was left New Jersey, went to Athens, Georgia, and was around when there were sort of bands that were reacting to 
kind of post REM success and going in like a weirder, noisier, more fucked up direction. And then the elephant six kids kind of started surfacing in town and had come because it was a great draw in the area. Like if you are a weird fucked up kid in any condition in the South, Athens was a safe haven to kind of get to and find cheap rent and other people to start bands with or show films with or whatever. Um, And so there's a great kind of large state university there that was really inexpensive because there was a lot of funding from the lottery program in the state to cover tuition Mm -hmm. for kids that if you got through high school with a B average in public school, you could basically go through this university system. This is UGA? This is, yeah, University of Georgia. Um, It was a fairly progressive, you know, idea that the, the governor had managed to get set up called the hope scholarship that brought all these kids to come live there for very little money who weren't, you know, necessarily like college material. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then that meant that like, rather than killing themselves to make tuition, they could afford to like get a guitar and, and hang out and, it's kind of what Santa Cruz was back in back in like the when I was in the eighties when I was yeah. growing up. It's changed a lot since it, since then, but yeah, it was a lot very of good band. Cheap. There's a handful yeah. of good like hardcore and punk yeah. bands that came yeah. from Santa yeah. Cruz. So, which uh, song would you want oh, us to play? Uh, number eleven. Number eleven. This is gaining weight. Wow, really looking through the future with that one, yeah. huh? <laughs> All right, this is uh, – do you want to – can we play the whole thing? Yeah, sure. This is like a really great trio that existed. Um, and I would say that this is maybe the sort of Jesus Lizard, Slint, Touch and Go, Discord type of bands. Well, what did you play in it? Uh, I mostly did spoken word on this thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So these guys were musical. Yeah. And then you essentially – They brought me in to kind of do stuff. Yeah, yeah you were doing the uh, – so you, this was, was this like pre-lifter um, puller? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gaining weight by Blitz.
So that was a uh, little Lancy Bangs on uh, spoken word there. Uh, you're even the credit spoken word on gaining weight, Lance Bangs. And so you was this every song? This was just this song? No, a couple songs with them, and then had a, a band called Rosary that was touring around that time and playing sort of North Carolina and Georgia. And then another band called the Ember Brothers with my friend Tom Salmon from New Jersey. So you were just a spoken word guy for hire. Yeah, but and also like you know noise stuff and guitar and yeah. But again, I I, I forgot that I had this in me and, and didn't think of myself as a musician until people you know. <laughs> yeah. I got mine on a Foo Fighters record. Which one? <laughs> uh, do a Google search. I, all right. <laughs> um, but like I was saying that the the name Andy Baker who plays bass in this band that name sounds familiar. Yeah. He's uh, produced all kinds of great stuff over the years and, and runs a recording studio and uh, was in Athens for a long time and then left to go teach in uh, the Far East. The Far East? Yeah. The exotic Far East? The exotic Far East. Was he, uh, was he uh, teaching like spice trade? No, I think he's teaching <laughs> uh, English and then also doing recording setup stuff over there. And, they just, and there's just another one of those bands that just kind of – They were great. And I think that their problem was that they would have fit in on the sort of touch and go or discord – scenes at that time like certainly they were of a lineage of the jesus lizard and Fugazi and and stuff like that but because those labels were so regional and tended to kind of prefer to do stuff from their general geographic area rather than a band that was off in this weird outpost of athens georgia it meant they didn't quite fit in on you know touch and go and they got a nice letter from ian and jeff at, at discord basically saying like this is great but we're still like a dc oriented label and still to this day yeah yeah um what was the the band uh good clean fun uh or kind of a, a funny hardcore band out of dc and uh every album they put out they uh would always have a song where it's uh we're a hardcore band in dc and discord still won't put anything out from us <laughs> <laughs> um so let's see here this is the uh, uh this is all oh, right so session musicians lance <laughs> bangs active 96 to 97 instruments gotta love this Hand claps. There was some other. <laughs> Doesn't look like it, friend. Looks like you are known to them as Lance Hand Claps Bangs um, on the color and the shape, which is that's uh, a good record. That's the I think that's their. I mean, like yeah. I love the first record, but it's like it's hardly a Foo Fighters record. It's a Dave Grohl solo. It was missing record. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a band and someone to say. Eh, but that's the thing. What's it's so it's funny that record just fucking. Starts at you know ten and pretty much goes the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty uh, sonically pleasing, uh, and just on the song "See You." But hey, Chris Billheimer also did hand claps, and Ryan Bosch. Hey, Petra Hayden played with them. Yeah, yeah. Petra Hayden from That Dog. Good band, good band. That Dog. Thanks for jumping in with that, guys. Sure. <laughs> Dead end. Yeah, there's a lot of great Petra Hayden records. There is. is. She is she the one that does all the acapella stuff? She yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. She's a yeah. The she's Bob a O'Reilly that's just Oh amazing. god, it's insane. It's the only way I could listen to uh that uh Journey song, uh Don't Stop Believing? Yeah. I hate that song, but I fucking love her version of yeah. it. It's very good. You that should... whole family is remarkable. <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a pretty amazing family. It's a it's like uh, the Hayden sisters. Uh Is her dad Charlie Hayden? He is. Yeah. Um, the the sisters were in that dog, and they also were in the rentals. Oh yeah. wow! Also, other members of the rentals, Maya Rudolph. Wow! And uh, I think a drummer left, Winky. Yeah. And well, their it, brother uh, had a remarkable band called Spain that were like a very uh, sort of Silver Lake band. Oh in yeah, that time period. And what's the uh, which which sister married Jack Black? 
Rachel? Is that what you're talking about? Um, Wait. <laughs> so from from Athens, uh, then you go. Where Tanya. do you go? Tanya. I think Tanya. Is, uh, was it a awesome Hayden? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was in Athens, Georgia, and then started uh, getting offers to tour with bands and would run projectors or things behind them. So this is all pre-Elephant Six. Like uh, My Bloody Valentine was kind of screening stuff behind them when they played live in that tour for Loveless. Yeah. Um, there was a guy named James <laughs> that Murray. One that one tour? That did all of their, <laughs> that one tour, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a guy named James Murray that kind of designed all of their lighting and projection stuff, and he was kind of actually kind of help out a little bit during some of that. Wow. And, uh, and then through that, there was a fake band called Mercury Rev that uh, – Fake, they're a fake band. Yeah, how are they a fake band? They put out records and they they tour. turned into a real band, but it was a it was a scam that I did not understand or wasn't hip to until I got left in the middle of the country. Somewhere. I don't know wait, what? <laughs> what what is it? You got to so wait, Mercury Rev. I I know they're good. Yeah, they're great. I don't great see records. how that's a, it's like. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put out really great records. <laughs> no, then what's the joke? <laughs> well, one day we'll go on tour with this guy Lance. Yes. <laughs> so wait, what? I was young. I was still a teenager, and uh, making these films and projecting them. And they did shows with Dinosaur Junior. and my bloody Valentine, and kind of shared some of the same sound people and lighting people, and in general, like friends and characters that were running around between those three bands, and they all got along really well. And then in '93, the band Mercury Rev they were signed to. Uh, Columbia Records when Columbia sort of like post Nirvana major label signing anything that everybody yeah. was signable, um, and had gotten a slot on the Lollapalooza tour for that summer on the side stage, and then had a what I what I found out later was they were getting money from the label is like tour support and to kind of try and bump that up they were like adding as many people to the band as they could and, like, <laughs> and then like you know talking them into like well we should like you know have you project films as a backdrop and like. All this stuff. So I made yeah, all these films to project. This is our soundscape so, yeah. artist, Lance. Yeah. And so I was, you know, again, it's like a teenager as an Athens Georgian. It was this offer to kind of go, you know, get yourself up to like maybe Buffalo, New York. They were somewhere up in upstate New York. I think it was Buffalo to go meet up with them, get in the van or the tour bus, and then spend the summer crossing the country on the Lollapalooza tour. And a lot of the other bands on the tour were bands I was excited about, wanted to go see a bunch. The Flaming Lips were on the side stage. The, uh, Tommy Stinson's fan, Bash and Pop, and it's yeah. a huge rela- replacements fan. Um, Palace Brothers might have done stuff. Maybe that's 94. Like Brothers, a, lot, yeah. a lot of good stuff was going on, and, and so it seemed like a great summer thing to go do as a teenager. And then got up there and then realized that these were not like the bands that I'd been around or sort of indie rock jumping the band with Super Chunk type of thing. And, and, yeah. and Athens where everyone was like in it together and of this kind of shared sensibility. Oh, it was just this camaraderie. Like- it was just like weird thing where these guys – Money making scheme did not know each other, could not stand each other, were lighting each other on fire. Um, oh, wow! And like a lot of heroin, like just craziness of uh, of a fake band. Like basically, and again, like I did the whole tour, and it was just craziness and disasters, and like police, and they got wow. like pulled off a stage during a show in Colorado. Were you camcording any of this? Stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I was shooting. Well, I got hired to go project stuff, and then realized like, wait a minute, it's like an outdoor. 2 p.m. on a Saturday oh, yeah. summer <laughs> festival. There's no way to project any yeah. of these like little beautiful Super 8 films are not going to register yeah. or be visible. But they still wanted to keep getting the money out of the label. So they essentially turned me into like filming the tour instead of projecting stuff. So uh, I grabbed some Super 8 film stock and some and 16. And a monster was born. And a monster was yeah. born in a camcorder. 
and kind of made this weird transition where it was like, well, wait, but how, you know, I don't know if I can alone, like really make this all make sense or cover it coherently. Um, but wow, we started the tour by kind of going to this, I'm pretty sure it was Buffalo. Let's just commit to that as the name of the city. And hopefully <laughs> sure. if I've got yeah. it wrong and it's somewhere else up, upstate, then we'll correct it. But I think it was Buffalo. Um, you know what? We won't. Wherever they were based, it was a region that a lot of marketing companies test out things before they go national. So like soup at McDonald's or pizza at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Soup at McDonald's is one of my favorite bands. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, with soup at McDonald's. Go fuck you done. One of these like markets that has been decided that you go test out products before taking them national. So they had all these things like that. And they had these like giant, massive supermarkets that were also a million other things before that turned into the sort of Walmart. Fred Meyer template around other places right. where you would go into what was a grocery store and they also had hunting rifles and <laughs> yeah. and everything else. And so there were a lot of people in the group and they all didn't really know each other that well. And they were kind of going off and like, you know, the idea was get your essentials you need. We're going to be on this bus. We're trying not to stop. We're going to drive for three days straight and then just get to Canada, Vancouver and like lock our, do a lock in basically on the bus until we arrive there. Yeah. And, uh, so they were just kind of, you know, getting granola bars and bottles of water and whatever you wanted. And then people were realizing that other people were getting like magazines. So it's like, I'm going to get magazines. And then someone was getting a hairdryer. It's like, well, if she's getting a hairdryer, that's like 50 bucks. Why don't I, you know, so this <laughs> one, one member started buying guns and, and the other people were like, what the fuck? Like, I don't want to be locked in on this while we're all on drugs and you have guns. Like, uh. it's not a good scene. you <laughs> no. know. And there was a guy that had a drug debt to them that was forced into indentured servitude selling t-shirts named Tomcat. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And so um, it was like a much gnarlier, darker scene that I was, again, coming yeah. from this kind of like progressive, yeah. like merge records. Yeah. Like, yeah. Type the of harshest drug background. is mushrooms. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I was like out of my depth and out of my element. I was, you know, a good 10 years younger than these people because they were all like weirdly older. Basically, like what had happened was that I'll just jump ahead to the kind of revelation that happened when they debriefed me once the whole tour had fallen apart and the band was basically imploding at the end of it, was that one great smart guy, Dave Fridman, who produces all kinds of amazing classic records now, there was a program at this school upstate in New York, like SUNY Purchase or whatever the school was up there that they're going to. SUNY Buffalo, maybe? Buffalo. <laughs> Let's commit to that. <laughs> <laughs> that he had access to like a recording studio and that your class project or assignment was you had to like make these series of recordings and then turn them in. And that he kind of went around and like found all the interesting kooks that were floating around the world at that time. And like, oh, this guy, this woman here plays flute. She's really cool. This guy has a jazz master guitar. Why don't we get him to do some dinosaur juice? Oh, kind of stuff. And like the kind of the weird kid that booked Sonic Youth and Dinosaur Junior shows when they played the student center. <laughs> like he wanted to get on it too. So he did some spoken word over the top of it. Like Jeez. there's a lot of that of people who did not get along or had not ever met. And so – yeah, so he had this stockpile of yeah. all sorts of different people. Yeah. So many people had not heard the whole thing put together. It did sounds not know just that. like the the Muppets band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the Electric Mayhem. And uh, and so he did a remarkable job making that that kind of first recording for it. And then uh, a guy named Jonathan, who was a guitarist, he happened to hook up with the Flaming Lips around that time, and and was like a fourth member of them playing guitar and touring, like maybe ninety, ninety one, ninety two kind of era. And then. That relationship ended. I think they kicked him out. I don't want to, you know, misstate or misguess yeah, yeah. whatever. But they like, buffaloed him out. His time being part of the Flaming Lips ended, and uh, he was looking to get himself, you know, set up to do whatever. And because he had sung and written some stuff on that mass tape yeah. kind of thing, I think he sent that around with an explanation of like, 
I sing on song four and do the guitar on song eight, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but it, you know, that got taken off of the cassette or got forwarded or passed to someone else and ended up in the hands of Rough Trade Records in the UK who heard it and were like, what's this crazy song where like the, the stereo is panning extremely left and then right and the sound's kind of blowing out but then coming back again and there's a flute loop and then this <laughs> yeah. like great riff comes in and then all of a sudden it sounds like Sonic Youth and then it turns into the Who, this kid just passes it on the drums like Keith Moon and then there's a spoken word part, you know, and they got excited about it and because it was this pre-existing thing, like this is a proper 24-track, two-inch tape recording of 10 songs or 12 songs in a row. Like this is a finished work. You don't have to, yeah. you don't have to like start the process of send us some demos right. and we'll take it from there. Yeah, you you just put it out. And so yeah. they decided to put it out. And then right as they were pressing it or had pressed it, rough trade went bankrupt. <laughs> so there were whatever you press at the time, maybe it's 5,000 records or 4,000 cassettes or whatever, like yeah. the guess of yeah. Yeah. what you could sell being on 120 minutes. One time was <laughs> rough trade in the UK had made all these things and then fell apart. And so like it hurt bands like galaxy 500 that were, you know, on rough trade at that time. Maybe Mazzy star was another thing that was yeah, in yeah. that world. But uh, for Columbia, massive entertainment thing that had kind of missed out on Geffen signing of Sonic Youth Nirvana things in 1991, when they were trying to catch up in 92, it was like, okay, here's this thing that got reviewed in the enemy and it exists. And we know that Rough Trade just went bankrupt. We're going to buy up those five or 10,000 copies of that thing. And then that means we already have a a band in place that is on our catalog that's from the underground from well, their right. their Jeez. point of view, they just skipped yeah. six months. They yeah. skipped six months. And so yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And so this thing kind of got reissued or, you know, put onto CDs or whatever. But, you know, it had the artwork. It had the mastered all done. songs in a row. <laughs> yeah. But the problem was that they did not exist as a going concern as a band. And so I think that there might have been one step that I skipped in the story where someone from the label – in the UK, the rough trade person wanted to come see them or check them out. It was like, when's your next show? And the guy that had answered the phone call, Dave Friedman was like, ah, we just did a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. We did a bunch in had, Canada. Yeah. Oh. Had like named off like the local kind of blues yeah. bar in, in this upstate New York town. And then <laughs> had to kind of Fridays. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. We're crazy. And then had to start kind of like tracking people down and calling them to like, all right, like, do you know where that guy lives? Like, <laughs> you have to get the band back over? together. Like, oh, wow. Get them like oh, wow. together for the first yeah. time. Like they, this is like the, many of them had, I, I swear <laughs> yeah. many of them had not met, did not get along. It's like that guy, he's a junkie. I don't want anything to do with him. Fuck you. Like uh, there was that kind of thing, you know, like not the fat guy. Like it was like that. <laughs> and so it was really gnarly. So they, uh, they, you know, got together, played this one kind of weird showcase show for the person who's, you know, great, and then like put out the record. So now they were um, signed to Columbia, whatever, and basically knew it was not going to work or last. They did not get along. They were not a proper band. They were never going to want to be <laughs> yeah. in a band together for six months playing wow. Pensacola, Florida. And then throw like, little Lancy Bangs. Yeah, but there. so their idea was like, let's just suck as much money out of the labels we can for like tour advances, promo. We're going to tell them we're making our music video, but we're really just going to get our friend to take some footage from the class. Wow. There was a lot of that going on. And then, you know, just kind of basically bilking or embezzling that as far as I could tell. Um <laughs> And so that's the lesser rock and roll swindle. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. you know, it's not the great yeah, the lesser uh, rock and so roll grift. Yeah. We're in this, this bunko. tour bus and there's two drivers and we go from upstate New York all the way across. And I thought in my mind now that like, I realized we're not gonna be able to project anything, but I'm just going to like shoot footage. Like, Oh, maybe we'll like stop at Mount Rushmore. Maybe we'll go to the devil's tower. But it was like, yeah. no, like <laughs> <laughs> drugs. <laughs> and then like, I thought, Oh, maybe I'll film that. And then they're like, no, 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 don't film 
the drugs. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was a lot of kind of like sitting up in the front by the driver, <laughs> age 19 or whatever, yeah. like, you know, like watching things out the window and not really stopping that often to, unless we yeah, like I'll just film some more, uh, cornfields going exactly. by. I'll yeah. use that. I'll and, put it in uh, reverse. And, and I was just like, man, this is going to be a weird, gross summer and not at all what I thought I was getting into. Uh-huh. And so we, um, I was trying to figure out like why we were not stopping you know, cause there's all these rules about like this many hours in a row yeah. driving for a driver of that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And what was happening is that the two drivers, there's an older guy and a younger guy, the younger guy would sort of like scoot his crotch forward. And while at the wheel at 65 miles an hour, the older guy would like slide in behind him and then wrap his arms around him and take oh, the wheel. Wow. The little guy would drop down and slide out. So they did not have to stop the van or the wow. bus because of, uh, all the drugs that were going on. So it was like, Oh, you okay. don't want to like yeah, stop yeah. and have you these people like the wandering around right. yeah. 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 truck stop. Yeah. And, like, and then you get a little sheep dog. Like, Come on, Junkie. Come on, Junkie. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. so it was just kind of like, Oh, that's how we haven't stopped in 18 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, the people riding sleepy, the people yeah. driving speedy. <laughs> hey, that, this story is fucking crazy and awesome, but we're going to take a break in the middle of it, and we're going to because we want to continue to show you guys some music. So here's a, a band out of Oakland called "For Fear the Hearts of Men Are Failing" with their song "Ghosts and Dreams." Please check them out. So we get to Vancouver and the place that they had like for us to go kind of stay for a day or two before the first show. Cause there's like a rehearsal day for the whole tour where they work out the sound system and everyone kind of figures out their stage time. And yeah. One like, day sounds pretty laminates, good. Laminates, whatever. <laughs> and then they kind of like do a show in Vancouver and they, and, and again, it's sort of like a dry run for the U S and then they yeah. head down and, and yeah. do the U S. And so we're there for a couple of days in Vancouver getting ready. And, uh, they were supposed to stay at this weird little cheap 
motor lodge that someone had booked. And granted, it's a different country from where they live. They're not a proper band. They don't, you know what I mean? It's like fair enough that they just like called the phone book and, and saw something as a motel and booked it without knowing what right. it was going to be. When they got there, the tour bus was larger than the front of this like, <laughs> you know, oh. ranch style single level motel. And they were like, you cannot park that thing in front of it. Like no one can see the motel. <laughs> yeah. If you park on the street, you can't. And there's like, well, nowhere else to go. So we ended up uh, kind of driving around and then finding an actual uh, trailer park and working out a deal to like, what if like, cause they had some cottages there. Like, what if we can pull the tour bus into this trailer park and then like use showers at a, at a cottage room or whatever. So we said yes and did that. And then the people on the bus realized that there were like prostitutes working in the trailer park. Of course. And then they all started getting off. Together. And I was like, Oh, like this oh, is wow. so far away from yeah. what my sense yeah. of like cut to Athens. Everyone's just in a swimming hole. This is Michael Sipe is barbecuing exactly. veggie burgers yeah. for everybody. This is like exactly the sort of repulsive, grotesque major label. Yeah. Debauchery that I thought we were killing and replacing. <laughs> and, and clearly this is what they're all you get good wow. footage of it though you get the you get a, yeah all right and so we're there for a little bit a yes. and then it's like man this is this is just gnarly and then go and do the show in vancouver and i'm trying to film stuff and but i'm way more interested in a lot of you know i, I, I want to go film dinosaur jr and yeah yeah all these other things are going on more so than like this weird mix of, of personalities doing this um and one of the guys had chicken pox, and so he wasn't allowed to be on the. They kicked him off of the tour bus at the beginning of the tour. And it was like, well, it's up. We'll fucking you find your a own go kart behind yeah. the like, yeah. get, get yourself to Vancouver. We're going to be there. Like Chris Elliott, Cabin Boy. Oh my God. <laughs> He's getting dragged behind in a rap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just right behind on a fucking jet ski that they got at that yeah. store with the guns. <laughs> yeah. He was this drummer. And again, he was this like straight ahead, like who listening classic rock kind of guy. Like, I don't think he had seen super, you know what I mean? He was yeah. like a, you know, like yeah. 70s yeah. rock dude. Yeah. And again, not to say anything bad about any of these people who had their good qualities and whatever, but like, it was not my, it was a different generation almost even from what I thought I was getting into. Yeah. And so, um, he didn't make it out in time for that first rehearsal day. And so the Lollapalooza people are like, all right, like Mercury Rev, you're up next after Munabruka and front 242. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> let's hear your sound check. Like we need to get a level on drums. And there's no drummer because he's got chicken pox and is trying to get there. And so, you know, the flute player is like, we don't have the, well, what the fuck? Like, this is your time. Like we're setting the levels now. Oh my God. This is a much larger tour than just your band. Like, I don't know what you're thinking when yeah. you're getting in here, but like, oh, this is how man. we do this. And so. <laughs> Uh, Angela from Fishbone came running over <laughs> and, like, <laughs> to like help out. And then like a guy that was literally like setting up a hot dog stand, like carrying a big piece of wood, like dropped the wood and like ran over and was like, I can drum. And then like someone else who was a similar, like hot dog vendor kind of guy got up on stage. <laughs> so there's like two, you know, ringer, you know, field of yeah, concert just... venue worker people. And then a bunch of these like band, and they they've got a sense of humor. They're smart. They know it's kind of like fucked up and funny, and that they're tricking the record label. And you know, let's see how long we can get away with this. So they um they do this sound check and set all the levels based on not the oh, band. Right. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> and oh, so then when man. the drummer guy shows up and is like, "How come there's no mic on my cymbals?" It's like, "Well, the other guy didn't use cymbals. Yeah, Why do you need cymbals?" So. Uh, the band truly who were like a sub pop band, they turned up and were kind of nice. And so like the, the other thing was there'd be like local bands thrown on the bill. And that was my salvation was finding these, like, you know, Pockets. putting out a first EP on, on sub pop kind of bands that were more relatable and easier to talk to, yeah. or whatever. So, uh, kill Sybil. And then this great band Hazel from Portland were like some of the early things that kept me not from just like going on a Greyhound bus back home to 
Wow. To Athens. But so it got gnarly on that first day in Vancouver as things begin because uh, Columbia had made these promotional green, reversible, maybe they were yellow on the inside, uh, rain jackets. They were kind of nice. Like, <laughs> not just a poncho, but like an actual, like, buttonable yeah. raincoat that had, like, Lollapalooza 93 artists, you know, <laughs> had, like, a list. Because they had paid to get so many of their bands uh, hooked up on that right. bill that year that it was, like, Alice in Chains and Soul Asylum, you know, just a, a right. crop of their stuff. And I am pretty sure that they made deals with the booking thing where it was like, all right, like we'll give you Allison James, whatever, but like you gotta take, you gotta take, Mercury you gotta take, Mercury Rev. We're trying to break fire hose again, and you know, God bless fire hose and all that. But like, it really was that that era, um, yeah. yeah. And so some of them kind of ran off to go try and find out where are those being given away, and let's get some of those. And then the guy that was kind of the most sensitive like don't do that don't make everyone mad kind of guy was like don't you know don't just go they were like let's just go fucking grab the whole box like i don't want to wait and some of the people were still on their binges from whatever they've been doing for the past couple of days in the the vehicle and so they ran they were going to run off and go do that and then they came back and he'd stayed on the bus and i was with him trying to like bond or connect or like you know like <laughs> yeah you didn't go hook up with the hooker maybe you're <laughs> maybe you're okay <laughs> and uh and then they kind of come back and it really was this like lord of the flies sort of like they had grabbed a whole cardboard box full of the things and were like tossing around the you know interior of the bus like ah like oh, you know Jesus. we grabbed them all like you like let's trade them for stuff or whatever. Um, this is all pre eBay, but like there was a sense <laughs> that like these were you know worth fifty bucks and yeah. some yeah. exchange of pot or whatever they were going to be. And so he gets really flustered and is like, no, like you're ruining the whole thing. And then they started making fun of him. And when someone has an unfortunate thing of like, <laughs> this isn't the way it's supposed to go down. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you can start making fun of someone's idiosyncrasies and like, Ooh, and like talking like them back at them, uh, and makes yeah. them yeah. more upset. Like, Oh, Neil, Oh, with the glasses, <laughs> shut up. Like, Oh, with the glasses, right. You know, like, shut yeah, up, man. you're like, getting just, him. It now. Turned, totally turned into that. And then, uh, <laughs> everyone that sort of had their minor resentment, resentments built up or petty grievances against the, drum guy or the flute player or whatever it just turned into this giant scrum of like pushing and shoving and hitting it's a kind of a small area like wow. the front of the tour bus where there's two benches yeah. of seats facing each other then like a little walkway in between yeah and so there's so many people in this group that everyone's like kind of wedged there with this little alleyway and he's kind of a big guy and standing up and trying to but this is not we're gonna get kicked off the tour and then it's gonna be the end of everything and <laughs> yeah, um, and it like people are like uh, uh, and then like kicking and, and pushing and then People ended up on on top of each other and were getting in cheap shots like under the like, oh, like, oh, like <laughs> and then I got kind of pinned. I thought it would be kind of like I should shoot this or film this, you know. And so I'm rolling on a camera, and then one of the big people lands on me. And again, I'm 19 at the time, and then someone pulled out a lighter and lit the bottom of someone else's corduroy pants on fire. Boards <laughs> <laughs> go up, they go up, they go and so up. I was trapped. And I thought, like, holy shit, like this is this is how this you is die. like the who, yeah. like like this is like a trampling plus fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, oh, god. they haven't even played a gig yet. I've not played yeah. a gig yet. So, so like literally, like I end up like getting burnt. It melts kind of part of the rubber of my shoe, and then people once it's like once you smell that horrible burning corduroy, and yeah. Then, beginning of like a Chuck Taylor lining. <laughs> people do kind of jump off the top of it and like run off the bus, you know, like, ah, and, uh, and then like the, you know, the guy that had been mostly lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was like, was really bummed. And it was just such a evil, rotten, 
group. I don't know. That's like, horrible. Again, like Dave Fridman's a great guy. He does great records and recordings, but like the rest of it was not what I thought I was getting <laughs> yeah, into. Yeah, the reality of and it. And so all. I continue to shoot all this footage and we do the whole tour and I, you know, meet all these other bands and people in different cities. And, and again, like the, the great thing about it is you're going and you're spending two, three days in Portland, Oregon, and then you're yeah. traveling down the coast and then ending up in the Bay Area and, and staying in the hate at a great hotel there for a couple of days and walking around and discovering record stores and meeting local friends and then getting them into the show and someone else sees that you're shooting super eight and wants to talk to you. Like it's a, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good aspects to it on yeah. the non band side of it. But then at the end of the tour, when I was like kind of getting ready to like, all right, so like I'll get this all processed and then, you know, what do we do next? And then it, they kind of like the tour manager is this great guy who's gone on to continue doing things for like the white stripes and the studios named Eric Fisher. He sort of like broke it down and was like really, and it was like, there is no band like this is a oh, you know what wow. I mean? like these people are not going to hang out together or yeah. continue in this formation and and like your footage is not going to get processed like oh. we we told the label you know that we needed fifty thousand dollars or whatever to do visuals and then we took that money and, and we gave <laughs> you that per diem you know it's like <laughs> oh no jesus so, christ it was that sort of a thing and so uh oh. Again, I, I kind of like caught a Greyhound bus <laughs> back to Athens, Georgia from there. You know, and I end up with like some camera gear and some footage, but most of it is still to this day in a basement. Uh, no, not, not in a basement, underneath the bed of a guy named Microwave. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is, wait, wait, that's, that's not I, good for the film. Maybe I, <laughs> that close yeah. to a guy named I, I, think it, I think his name was Microwave. Maybe we should look it up and make sure I'm not. <laughs> No, no, no. I want it to be Microwave Buffalo Jones. <laughs> um, but anyway, it ended up like under his bed in a box in his house, unprocessed with all my handwriting on it. And the reason I know this is I went back up to go shoot an interview with him for this Anton Corban documentary because they ended up like, you know, they got rid of most of the people and kind of rejiggered things, but kept taking advantage of their deal with, with Columbia to kind of get the advance for the second record. And, oh. and, uh, <laughs> wow. and so some version of them continued to make a couple of records that are great records. Like they, they, you know, all those recordings, like there's yeah. great material and good songs. And there's a song Beautiful I love stuff. called car wash hair. And, and there's a line in it about like, you know, getting in the van. And if you're not in the band doesn't mean you're square that i completely like identified with right yeah, yeah how can you write this beautiful sensitive song about this feeling that i'm happening and then you're <laughs> you're letting me on fire like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, but anyway shit. um you know great recordings and, and really great stuff and, yeah and they ended up like making this absolute classic record in 1998 at a point that was like you know just maybe two of those people in a different formation and completely different sound yeah um made a great record in the late nineties that became huge in England. And they were like, you know, a festival band over there. Again, like this is a t completely different. Yeah. This is, this wasn't, yeah. the, those weren't the people you were with. Yeah. Was just something I mean, one or two of those. Yeah. But like, around. yeah, but the, the, you know, sometimes the, the, uh, the combination yeah. of people can make other people completely different. Totally. And mm -hmm. so the Anton had directed a music video for them at that sort of like high watermark for them, you know, around 2000 or so. And I got sent to go, you know, interview, them for that project for this documentary I was making about him and you know go to this guy's place and 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 he pulled it out from under the bed and showed me like <laughs> here's all your teenage movie film unprocessed, with your hand <laughs> unprocessed. Wow. and i'm like can i get that he's like ah, i should probably hold on to it and uh, back under the bed uh, belongs <laughs> to columbia pictures <laughs> sorry jeez yeah. all that work for nothing yep jesus christ that's crazy and I, and I know that there's amazing stuff in there like i know that if i were to go back and and check it out now there would be 
Yeah. Stuff I'm sure, sure. I'm sure it'd be just like a fucking time trip. You yeah. know, just yeah. like, oh, fuck. And like all these weird memories that you might yeah. have hazy will yeah. be crystal clear to you. Yeah. So Lane Steele and I, I got tricked. In a, I didn't get tricked. I, I jumped on a, a golf cart he had stolen and he left the tour to go on a bender and try and find heroin. Hey. And I have that footage and it's under <laughs> this guy's bed. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. If you are interested in producing this documentary <laughs> film, yeah. giving Lance money to buy back the tapes from Microwave. <laughs> microwave. <laughs> hey, man, Microwave don't sell. <laughs> We should Let me tell you name. something about microwave. We should look up his name because if it's not microwave, it is something <laughs> similar. Who's the other guy? The guy in Athens? There's microwave. This is the new one. And then there's a guy in Athens named what? Wait, uh, not baby. So what, what am I no, looking he's, up? He's in Baltimore. Uh, Mercury Rev. Grasshopper. Oh, uh, grasshopper. Yeah. Oh, grasshopper. <laughs> I like microwave better. Yeah. Fuck that. His name is Microwave Forever. Hey, we're going to take a break and listen to Hands by the White Wires off of their album WW2. Be sure to check out that album. You look so proud of yourself. Motherfuck. <laughs> Not so smug now. No, no. Why don't you fucking do some kind of sound effect and get a grin on your face? There it is. Um, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> sorry. It's uh, it's you're 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 you have so many stories, and it's just weird to be like, well, where am I gonna jump in now? And I'm not. It's like this isn't a WTF thing. It's not like we're gonna go over yeah, yeah. your whole fucking uh, shit. Like this is like you know anecdotal, but that story was incredible. Oh, it's a, it's a yeah. fucking, that's like you know the oral history of Mercury Rev, yeah. Rev, and you know uh, the the alternative music what, explosion. Yeah, that, that sort of moment in time of of post, like what could have been this great revolution of what Kurt turned everyone on to about discovering records on small labels and these great bands that were already around and existing and touring and putting on shows at all ages spaces and then just getting co-opted right away by yeah. the major label thing and people being aware of it and calling it out and saying this is bullshit, but like it really was grosser than it needed to be. And <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah. I was just shocked. But again, you would go and you would meet like a band like Hazel that Jody Bliley, who went on to form team dress and like, uh, team dress they're, you know, great, they're amazing yeah. people that you'd meet along the way that had agreed to go do one show at the yeah. side stage of this or whatever. Um, so it was a weird thing, but so I, I literally at the end of that got stuck in upstate New York at a Greyhound bus station for a while. And then, uh, it, it, it took me a hard, it took me a while to understand that they really were not going to give me back the film or get it processed and then midway made my way back to athens georgia and again like all the great people there were like well how was it what was it like and it was yeah. like man it's it's darker out there than <laughs> stay <laughs> here yeah, stay. don't go anywhere um, never leave the yeah. farm yeah. yeah but uh but that was that was the time in 93 that jeff mangum and and bill and some of the people moved to athens from Ruston, louisiana and started kind of hanging out there's a like a mexican restaurant called frioleros that they would perform at on like wednesday nights um and started a band called Synthetic Flying Machine that then turned into Olivia Tremor Control and New Tremor Control. Yeah, mm-hmm. new uh, new Olivia Tremor Control is really good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, didn't one those guys just pass? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's weird when you think that stuff will. It's like that stuff doesn't slow down. You know, people passing. It just yeah. it, it does nothing but speed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I want to talk about how did you end up in the uh, Northwest then. So the thing that really stood out the most during that whole tour, honestly, was Portland, Oregon. Like it, it felt like, you know, it was kind of overcast and there were these bridges and there, there was no sales tax in the state of Oregon and things were pretty inexpensive. So like I could buy, I bought a bunch of super eight film and camera gear. Once I realized that like there wasn't a way to project the stuff I'd previously made and I had to shoot stuff. And I got excited about like, Oh, I'm going to have, make this amazing, beautiful, poetic documentary of like what's going on, you know, across the country this summer. And then, uh, you know, just found these weird. You could have had your own hype, yeah. your own version of the movie hype. <laughs> these weird, you know, camera stores and bookstores and, and this band Hazel that were from there that were full of such great, smart personalities and amazing songs. And they had this uh, performance dancer with them named Fred. And he made the whole audience extremely tense by standing on a stool with a, a pitcher of water balanced on his head. He's probably like six feet tall, uh, probably in his 50s at that point, like an older, oh, wow. long haired uh, character. Long hair, freaky person. Yeah, and otherwise, like you know, cute twenty-year-old yeah. punk band, um, and it you know made the audience kind of on edge. And, and un- is that guy supposed to be there? What's going on? Is he going to spill that water? Is he going to break his neck? Um, and then kind of contorting himself and like getting in the audience's faces, and not in a mean confrontational way, but in a like, what am I looking at? What does this mean? Yeah, oh, God, it relates to the song. Wow, this is working on multiple levels. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah. Um, and so I 
befriended them and and was really reaching out to people like you don't understand like like we're like I, I, I need yeah. to talk to you like this is, I need I, to have a normal conversation with you <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. my god the worst thing about it I forgot is that band Tool they were on that tour and in a most are they no good way no well the, the fucking they, what they were was like the guy Ted Gardner that managed Jane's Addiction or what like some guy had you know they had been signed and they were going to get groomed and, and the, the path was to kind of fake uh, credibility before doing the major labor release in a, in a very calculated way. And it's what the mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins did. And it's what these guys were going to get groomed to do. That's where, what Caroline Records was for. Yeah. They <laughs> were basically going to um, make it seem like they were on the side stage deliberately and that Babes and Toilet were going to get kicked off of the major, the main stage midway through the tour and tour were gonna, Tool were going to get that slot. What's and going they on? It, they wanted to kind of play it out in terms of so kids were going so mad, like mom yeah, in the yeah. second stage. We had to put them. We had to put Tool on the main okay. stage, um, and they had the most repulsive guys, like as their crew, these like muscle dudes that were you know just like shitty tattoos and yeah. like you know hitting on underage girls and being really grotesque. Yeah, you and, could also describe them as guys that are working with Tool. You could, <laughs> yeah. And so the bummer was that Tool they would go set up a tent. For tool, they have these signs like you know, do not enter, no peeking, whatever. I like how every time, any time they say like, do not enter, yeah. <laughs> this is tool territory, yeah. and that it was like you know, it was like on the side of the stage there, and that um, they had like a weightlifting set, and so these kind of mouth breathing, knuckle head crew dudes would like have to set up like bench pressing equipment, whatever, so that the guys from Tool could go in there unseen by the crowd behind like blue tarps before they went on stage and like pump some iron to get like just oh, kind of a little bit, juiced. yeah, you know, oh. and then go take the fucking stage. Push-ups like work too, fellas. Maybe <laughs> some squats off to the side. No fucking hippie's going to falter for that. Just act like you keep on dropping your fucking hacky sack. Got to get that again. Hurrah! But so, uh, you know, in contrast to that, meeting the people in Hazel and then realizing that, like, wow, this this place, Portland, feels a lot like what I miss of Athens. And there are people here that seem interesting. And there are these great bands, the Spinanes and Hazel mm-hmm. and Cracker Bash that were putting out records at that time or, you know, recording tapes, mostly, really. And Elliot Smith, uh, with, you know, was in a band called Heat Miser. So uh, that really made Portland seem like this remarkable place that I wanted to go spend more time in. So I started going back and forth, um, like, leaving Athens and traveling either on buses or, or flights because uh, Delta had a hub in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of go out and spend time in Portland and kind of get to know the city. And Gus Van Sant was out there. And, yeah. And, and your future wife. And, and my future wife. So uh, started going back and forth and, you know, shooting some stuff with Elliot Smith and, and other people that were up there and realizing all these great bands were there. And then Cat Power, who I hung out with in Atlanta quite a bit. And when she, you were just, you just saw her last night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was another Georgia character from that time period and mm-hmm. really adored her. And so she ended up spending some time there in 96 and then I met uh, Corin, who I fell in love with, and then that made me. How how long did it take for her to fall in love with you? It was weird. <laughs> quick. Like it just kind of happened, like in October of nineteen ninety six. Ah, and it was not intentional. It was not like deliberate in any way. Like she had just, you know, it it didn't seem likely. And, yeah, and uh, we just kind of really connected, and then. Um, and you weren't living there yet. No, I was just I was passing through, and I survived this crazy plane crash uh, on the way out there. What? And then, yeah. Oh, I love how you throw <laughs> out. Fucking Lance. <laughs> fucking fucking bangs, and man. And, um, <laughs> and then uh, once we started. Hold on. Don't <laughs> skip over the plane crash. Are you nuts? Just Big You can do that crash? one real quick, Little right? What's, yeah. uh, it's, what, what's, I'll, uh, I'll do like the most condensed version I can. Basically, I was taking a flight. I was going from Atlanta, Georgia, and I was going to go out to Seattle and was about to direct a video for R.E.M. for a song called How the West Was Won and Where It Got Us. 
was going to go shoot some footage in Seattle, then drive down to Olympia, then Portland, and then like shoot footage in those cities and then go to LA and shoot the band performing there. And it was the last record they did with Bill Berry and the band. Oh, wow. Um, and the flight was on continental airlines left Atlanta. And as we got up and we're kind of like heading out over Texas, uh, it was getting close to dusk and I was sitting at the emergency exit row, uh, window and there was an electrical fire. One of the engines went out. There was like a two engine, you know, they've got two engines. You can fly perfectly fine and land with one engine, but the electrical fire that spread from the engine that had gone out got into the system and kind of disabled their ability to add power to power to the main engine. And so in a very gradual way, like wisps of gray electrical smoke were coming out of each of those, you know, there's a three vents to get air above each seat and you can see them down the whole length of the cabin. Just like little tendrils start kind of creeping out. It wasn't like gushing or like a massive blazing fire, but like wispy gray tendrils of smoke from the electrical fire start coming out of that. And you can smell that, you know, and it's wires and and shielding around wires burning. Yeah. And then it smells like those little cars that you have. Exactly. And I'd thought that the, you know, the kind of flight attendants would keep their composure and whatever, but they (laughs) flipped out and like, ran like in a disorganized way, like ran to the cabin, then ran to the back and then ran to the cabin again, like just in panic, not in like, I'm going to go there quickly to get the answer and then go back and relate to them. It was like, just, you know, kind of thing. Um, They're supposed to stay strong for us. (laughs) And so the, uh, the captain was very candid and very, you know, open about what's going on. I was like, okay, as you can see, we've lost the right engine. And that was the one out the window that I was uh, sitting on. Jugga. And, uh, and you know, we're, you know, like we can fly with one engine. We're going to like find somewhere to touch down and we'll, you know, figure this out. Like, you know, please keep it together and please don't panic. But the, because the flight attendants were, it felt like, whoa, this is not. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but I, in my maybe overly romanticized hyperbolic way, I was like writing a lot and doing, you know, postcards and journals and yeah and you're an indie rock kid in the 90s of course (laughs) and i and i thought like i don't think i'm about i don't feel like i'm about to die right now i feel like this is going to be an interesting story that i make it through and that I'm not, you know, I haven't finished this film yeah. yet, and I've yeah. got to go out Well, there guess what, yeah. Lance? It wasn't. You're <laughs> it wasn't. in hell, <laughs> and it's like, my backyard. You know, I, I've got things I still need to do and make, and that I'm not, it's not, yeah, it's not over yet. yet. Um, and the man to my right, no, sorry, the man to my left, and then a woman on the aisle, um, you know, from the point that I got on the plane, I was kind of like, I was in this very, like, ugh, you know, about everyone over the age of 30, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. in this very, like, hateful, fuck everyone, you know, sort of mindset at that time and yeah. like oh you know hard rock cafe mall of america t-shirts yeah <laughs> like all these people are idiots kind of yeah. sensibility um and there was this like definitely a very clearly like you know kind of businesswoman from atlanta on the aisle and this like kind of more grizzled harry dean stanton kind of guy in the, <laughs> in the middle who had not said very much you know during the whole thing and she had been kind of persnickety and difficult to the flight attendants like you know about drink service and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. um <laughs> And so they came back to do the briefing to us about the, the exit row. And it was much more thorough than the one they give you at the beginning. Of the <laughs> it wasn't the sort of like, you know, okay. And if you, you know, now that you understand me, it was just like, okay, we are going down and we are going to have to make an emergency landing. Oh and my God. You're going to have to do this. And so like, just let me know for sure that you are wow. capable of this. And the way it's going to work is you're going to put your left, left hand in the lower slot, right hand in the upper slot. You're going to pull in the two tabs. The door is going to weigh 45 pounds. You're going to pull that and then swing it out to the side, to your right. You're going to direct the first people to, you know, in your aisle to follow you out to the end of the length of the plane. There'll be like a clear marking there and a, a piece of yellow that shows you where to kind of step down. And then you're going to, 
don't stay there. Don't try and like, you know, wave people past you and like wave them out down the thing. It's your job to take them and run as far as you can to get behind cover before there's a secondary explosion. Oh, oh my God. Was like, Whoa, this Very is not, the, yeah, this is not the like the kind of yeah. cursory briefing they give you. The this <laughs> I need like, an audible yes from y'all <laughs> yeah. before we get over here. You go, you ready? Yes. And All so right. it did start to sink in like, oh, oh, like yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. this is like a bit more, but like, and I, then I'm thinking like, okay. I've got the first seat to get out and away. And then, like, here's the journal, and here's a stack of postcards I'm writing, and like, I can, I can. Yeah. Here's my mixtapes. Here's and so I grab uh, my carry on. The the timing of it was like kind of at dusk, but you're heading west, so you're you're kind of long with the sun. You know, like it's yeah. this yeah. weird thing where we were skirting along for a bit, and it wasn't quite setting. Chase and the then, sun. And I also thought in my mind, like, oh, we'll just like we're over like West Texas. We'll just like put yeah. it down somewhere and all this like and some there's field. Any sand. Yeah. yeah. And we're like looking and it's all this like sand. As we get lower though, and so the, the thing I should add is that we're we're constantly losing altitude because of the lack of the ability to add power to the the one existing engine now. So it's this very the kind of the high pitched hum that's always happening, the kind of eh, thing that you tune out yeah. is like very clearly like dropping octaves. It's oh. like Oh, God. And uh, and and as we get like low enough, you can see that like oh, this isn't like the sands of Tatooine. This is like there's boulders and crevices and perfectly manicured. Yeah, it's like this is gonna be a much rougher landing than Zen I sand garden. Oh. And, but then you would see like a sort of a desert highway and think like, well, are we allowed to treat that like a runway or an air style? Or yeah. are you by that by doing that are you liable because you're going to kill the random car or truck that's on that road and then therefore you're not allowed to take that you know like I yeah. didn't know it's called collateral damage. Yeah, like I didn't lose know, one to save many. Is the pilot allowed to make that choice or not about yeah. you know yeah. where Denzel would. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we're kind of getting lower and lower and then the sun like tipped down below the horizon line and and it got like oh shit like maybe this like is a death moment. Like I, you know, yeah. like, like I wasn't expecting to watch the sun like just disappear behind the the rim there. Right. Yeah. And then now we're just like lit by the flashing of this thing. And like you could see the oh. it wasn't like a raging, burning, blazing fire, but it was like it had taken out the engine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we're getting lower and lower. And then uh the woman, the flight attendant kind of they make like an announcement over the thing, like, you know, uh we're we need everyone to kind of brace for impact. We're going to go down and, and you'll hear two commands. And the first one is like, you know, brace. And at that point you put your head between your knees and try and hold on to both of your ears and, and not hit your head into the seat in front of you. If you've got a child with you, try and use one arm to restrain them. And then, you know, once we've kind of stopped moving across the ground, you'll hear a second command, which is clear. That's your cue to kind of raise your head. Don't lift your head up before you hear that cue. Cause we're going to be like, you know, scraping across some stuff. And so it's all this like way more detailed stuff than I yeah. would have imagined about. Like, I don't oh, that get makes the head sense. between that. I well, can't do wanna, that. Like, I can't lean that forward. I'm huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My head would just hit the fucking thing. Right. And, yeah. But I guess it like they they imagine there's going to be things kind of flying over. You know what I mean? Like you know equipment yeah. or someone's yeah. suitcase is going to come. Oh yeah, yeah. Down at yeah. head level and hit people in the back of the heads if they aren't don't have their heads kind of down. Yeah, contents may seat. shift, bro. So. Uh, <laughs> So then the stewardess kind of comes back to check in on our thing and the woman, um, the businesswoman on the aisle is being like just completely inappropriately like asking all these panic questions. And it's like, you know, clearly the attendants don't know like where yeah. we're landing. You know, it's yeah. like they're in the middle of a crisis and like it's not up to you to stop them and start being intrusive and annoying and, and petty. <laughs> and then – so I'm trying to like block her out in my mind and I'm writing in the journal and like, oh, you know, like I hate uh, – 
And then the guy, the kind of Harry Dean Stanton guy next to me, just kind of like looks over at me writing and is like, uh, "Excuse me," uh, and I'm not doing a good accent, but it was yeah. like an Eastern European accent. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, "Where, where am I? Where am I to die?" Oh no! <laughs> and then, and I realized, like, oh my god, like he can tell that we're going down yeah. crashing, but he has not understood any of these oh, any of oh the instructions or any of the like head thing. You know, like he doesn't. He just knows that like oh, he I'm doesn't speak the language <laughs> yeah. and the plane's That's, going down. That, that and, and so then, oh. and this is 1996, I guess. No, 95, 96. Oh. So uh, pre-Atlanta Olympics. Yeah, pre-Atlanta Olympics. <laughs> and so basically, I realized, like, oh my god, like Berlin Wall '89, Romania '90, like. He had probably grown up and lived in the Eastern Bloc. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. For you know, all of his life up to age forty-two or whatever, and yeah. then that all that world ends and comes down, and he's free and makes it over to the United States in some form or wherever yeah, however recently it was, and like <laughs> yeah. is now on this plane going from Atlanta, which is like a big hub, you know, for Delta to you know yeah. the West Coast, and uh, and that, like this is his sense, and, and I'm able to say like I. Th- I think we're over Texas. And he's like, ah, Texas. Like, is it, oh, that's, like, <laughs> that's it was cool. a place that had significance or recognition. If we, My father killed Texans. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> if I'd been like Missouri, like who? He's dying like John Wayne. Yeah. There was yeah. an imagery. Yeah. Yeah. He's ready to die. This is some, like he survived the yeah. fucking world war two. And exactly. now the final destination yeah. has come it's back. Texas. Yeah. So we're getting low. And I'm thinking like, I don't, maybe we are going to die. You know, maybe the, you know, this is wow. getting darker than I thought it was going to be. Right. And, uh, and so we're getting down really low and again, seeing way more kind of scrub and crevices and boulders and, and stuff and thinking like, can we go just take that, that road there and then land on that? Why not? Um, mm-hmm. And then they end up finding that there's like an abandoned airfield near El Paso and they kind of keep coasting and get to that and then make like the smoothest, softest landing I might've ever been. <laughs> Instead of coming in like, you know, really fast and like Start hitting the Burbank, brakes, Am I right? Oh, yeah. Slowing down. And, and like slowing down. It's like, we just kind of like miles. skipped in from 20 feet above the ground to like rolling oh, yeah. in whatever the minimum, like, you know, airspeed might yeah. be. <laughs> and, but then we, so we landed, but we're in the middle of nowhere. There's no, so they had made a call and they were like rescue and emergency vehicles heading out to come get to us. But it right. wasn't like we were landing at, a terminal of a working full blown sure, yeah, yeah, airport. Yeah. There's nobody. To get and it's dark. Yeah. yeah. And so they're like, Oh, and everyone, and the other thing I have to admit was that in the last moments when we were getting low and it felt really grim that all the sort of like middle America spuds, McKinney, hard rock cafe t-shirt people were kind of gracefully, quietly holding hands and not spazzing out and weren't like, Oh, we're going to, you know, yeah. they were like, you know, clearly praying, but not in a like yeah. objectifiable, like Jesus, yeah. you know, kind yeah, of like, yeah. like somewhat dignified graceful manner and that i was like maybe maybe i don't need to be quite so hard. yeah oh wow, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, fucking like, like yeah, the indie rock like, kid yeah, a little like punk rock inside of you is yeah. just like maybe i should you know what we're neat we ain't so different hard rock jacket <laughs> i didn't go quite that far but it was like <laughs> rather than hating everyone over the age of 30 there was a sense of like okay there is some grace to be seen yeah how they handled this all so um they tell us we're gonna get kept on the plane basically until they get some representative from continental out to come figure out a plan <laughs> Bribe what you all. Do next or, <laughs> yeah. you know, where we go. And people are just really grateful to be on the ground. And so mm. they're relieved and cheering for the, you know, the, they take the $50 the voucher and, 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 and we're all pretty happy. And people are a little bit, I imagine stressed about like their, where they are, what they're going to, you know, whatever, but like relieved yeah. they made it through this yeah. thing and did not die. And that like, yeah. Great I captain. imagine missing yeah. the connecting flight is like, yeah, yeah like I was third on your list of, but that would be, just, that would be yeah. the blackout line on that, like that scene, which is just like, well, I guess we're not going to catch the, <laughs> yeah. the connecting flight. But so then the, the thing that kind of put me back to repulsion at everyone was that they, you know, they kind of make the sound like, look, you know, we're going to be here for a little while. There's clear. It's not like a place that was expecting 
us and yeah. like, there's nowhere to depart to. There's no terminal to walk into right now. So just hang tight and, and we'll, you know, we'll try and figure out a plan and get people here and then like get a ramp to, to go down and then like, you know, find pay phones and everyone get a turn and kind of make arrangements. And we'll figure this out. Um, and everyone's fine with that. And then, uh, the emergency vehicles show up and they start spraying down the plane with foam uh, in case there was any, yeah, you know, yeah. and then we're kind of watching that and it's, it's kind of exciting. And it, the sound of that, like when that, it's like being in a car wash where like when yeah. that hits your window and, all over. <laughs> and then, uh, we did not have like a ton of lights inside the plane because of the electrical fire. But then they make another announcement that's like way more urgent. That's like, okay, like new plan. We're going to open the front uh, gate and we're going to just try and like, Go down the, the, the. Do not go out the emergency exits. There, there is, there's a fuel leak, and we're worried about a spark. Oh, and uh. so we need to just get everyone away from the aircraft and behind any cover we can. But do not go out the wings or the emergency exits. Like everyone, we need to come. <laughs> so your job is now null and void. My job yeah. is null and void. Not only that, you also now have the worst seat on yeah, the plane. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, but like, well, I mean, they, you're closest to where the leak is. Oh, right. Yes, <laughs> in that terms, and so uh, they. They say very urgently and clearly, like, you know, do not get anything out of the overhead bins. Like, we need to get everyone off the plane very, very quickly. Like, do not take anything. And, of course, the first group that's up there near that door are all the the first class cabin, Mm -hmm. business class cabin. And they just start opening up the overhead bins and taking out, like, attache cases. And (sighs) this is, like, pre-laptop. You know, in my mind, it's like, it's just papers. You know, it's, (laughs) it's not. There's a copy of that somewhere. And they're just getting those things out. And the people behind them are like mortified like how how dare you how dare you yeah. like calling them out on it and then it turns into like yelling and bickering and uh. and i'm back to like okay yeah fuck off <laughs> oh, Jesus well yeah it, it went from we're all gonna die together so we need to be together with this and then it's like fuck that that guy's not gonna get ahead yeah. of me I gotta so, get my so Louis I Vuitton. I, went, I think I went from that to then like meeting corn within a couple days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a hell of an emotional swing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That leaves oh. you in a giant emotional uh, openness. That is uh, that is insane. We're going to take a quick short break with this song from this. This is uh, Swallowing Knives. They're a hardcore punk band from Prince Edward Island. And uh, they're featuring members of Year of the Rat and Skirm. Then you met your wife. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. That's uh yeah, she's she's great. Um let's uh let's just get it out there. Uh your wife is Corinne Tucker. Corin. Corin Corinne Tucker even. Yeah. I don't know why would I put the is that normal? Do people normally do I that? think there is a name of Corinne in that it's Yeah. yeah. My cousin's yeah. daughter's name. Yeah. Oh yeah, Karina. no, Corinne, but that's two N's. No with I an E. Corinne. Oh, Corinne. Uh, Corinne, yeah. BJ's fiance. Right. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, it's. I remember it blew my mind. I was like, they're like Mackay. <laughs> no, it's not. It's McKay. Ian McKay. <laughs> um, but so she's uh, she's from the Corin Tucker band. Yeah, and from Slater Kinney. Yeah, Slater Kinney. Remember, I remember finding that out too. It's yeah. not Slater. Slater. They're fucking great. Great Amazing band. band. Yeah. I uh I got to see them for the first they never uh they never came to Hawaii where I was from, but I got to see them at Ultramar's parties, though the one the Sonic Youth did. Oh great. And uh and then I also got to when I was working at Amoeba, Janet uh came up, the drummer. Uh she came up to buy some records because she was in town and I was just like Ah, uh, you're one of my favorite drummers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, uh, she's like, "Oh, that's very nice of you to say that." And I was like, "And I wanted to be like, I know, because like I'm a dude, and like, but like, because I was so nervous and I wasn't sure how to fucking do it. Like, I was like trying to justify. You probably get a lot of chick drummers say, "Oh shit, I didn't mean to say chick." Oh fuck, I really like it. All hands on the bad one. I gotta go. Records on the house. Yeah. Um, but so you, 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 how long did you guys date long, uh, long distance? We dated long distance. I would say like, you know, October of 96, we, we sort of met, I guess we'd met previously briefly. Like I'd seen them play earlier that spring and, and seen a couple of shows, uh, in Athens, Georgia, and then also in New York, but mostly had talked to Carrie in the previous yeah. times. And, and then Carrie uh, Brownstein, yeah. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but then like we kind of hit it off in October of 96 and then started dating and, um, they're working on the record "Dig Me Out" during that. Wow! So, and so you got in was, on the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's incredible. And then I want to know how you got involved with um, this the LA skate skateboarding scene. Yeah, I, um, uh, because you were doing uh, you were doing a lot of stuff for the Big Brother videos. No, right? I wasn't. Um, you didn't I, come in till Jackass. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, I uh, I was around those guys through Spike Jones. Um, he and uh, Jeff Tremaine, who does Big Brother, had sort of been, you know, teenage friends and known each other when they were young. And Torrance, right? Well, even part of that, they knew each other in Maryland. Like oh, okay. they, they'd sort of been together on the East Coast near the DC scene, um, hmm. and had met when they were in, in school together there. And then Spike came out and moved to Torrance uh, at the end of his high school time. So he's probably seventeen, eighteen. That's when he met uh, Todd Congelier. Yeah. yeah. From <laughs> FYP and Recess Records and Toys That Kill. You've met him before. He's a future. Okay. You know, he's a future guest. Okay. So, yeah. I like connecting all the different. Like it's fun. All right. And I think Spike and I met through Sonic Youth, or probably Sonic Youth, like in ninety four, ninety five. And yeah. uh, he saw this stuff that I was making at the time and brought me out to start shooting for him. And then now you're his guy. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's great, and and really ad- admire him and his mind and all the stuff he pulls off. And I'm happy to to do stuff with him whenever it comes up. And then uh, he, you know, he, his buddies, they're doing the, the big brother videos and he knew PJ Clapp who under the name, went under the name Johnny Knoxville and was a great writer and had this idea for doing that self-defense test where basically yeah. it's a magazine article. He, you know, tried out a taser and bear spray and then bought the cheapest bulletproof vest he could yeah. for <laughs> the cheapest gun <laughs> those, to those shoot at so it. Fucking yeah. insane. <laughs> and so uh, Jeff Tremaine kind of put those all together instead of just being magazine articles as, as being those VHS Tapes that boob and around. poop, I yep. believe. Yeah, uh, and now those are concurrently uh, like when those were coming out. There was also the CKY videos, yeah, the, Land those Speed. Were, yeah, those are the ones I watched. And then, sort of not really part of that, but like all the Big Brothers uh, or all the the 
Was Girl around then? Was Girl and Chocolate around then? Yeah, Spike had those going certainly. Um, but those videos were. But those were. Yeah, yeah they, they were yeah. more. You're thinking about like the Yeah Right videos. And yeah, stuff? Yeah, 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 those, those were, were those, those were all were later. Yeah. yeah, that's when they got money to com- composite out a skateboard yeah, <laughs> and, pl- and like take out a whole city block and stuff. But so when Spike and PJ and, and Jeff Tremaine were kind of creating Jackass and coming up with it, um, Spike would have me go shoot stuff for it on certain bits when you know if they had like Brad Pitt or whatever, they would kind of get me to go shoot those segments or yeah i love that one (laughs) um the kidnapping one yeah that was great uh but certainly there's you know there's people that were more directly involved in doing all of it like dimitri elioskovich and yeah rick kosick who are you know great great guys and great filmmakers that did way more of that stuff than i did yeah and then they they were able to make you uh, you have a you have a really <laughs> sensitive gag reflex i don't but it's been kind of built up or portrayed that way <laughs> i just like it's twice for me yeah. to see it on camera it just seems like yeah. like a sensitive gag reflex no i feel like to be honest what was going on with that is that i was the one that was kind of like the most diligently staying with the shot or sticking with the kind of documentary or personality element that was going on and continuing to film it when things would get extremely gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the other guys who were more trying to get the stunt or the mm-hmm. yeah. action moment would kind of like drop their camera and peel away. and like, that's <laughs> gross. And I would stay in the van as Dave England shit his pants. And yeah. This yeah. all rolled up and like, I've got to get the shot, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. no one else is getting you were the professional. One. Yeah. 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 Um, Captain sinks with the shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, shit. and then that became its own recurring <laughs> thing to see me throwing up i guess yeah I, <laughs> and I, I might I maybe it. like stand in in some way as a relatable yeah you know an i'm entry. not like an extreme sports dude i'm not yeah. some totally rad ripping skateboarder guy <laughs> like the rest of them can be so yeah maybe i'm the more uh you're the entry point for the audience yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. another way and that that scene it was funny because that, that was the lac at the time so like the band's hanging out or the wax yeah and uh loomis who is the drummer for wax uh he was like he's in some of the videos and he's in the movies as yeah. well. He also uh, his the original version of the song "My Name Is Jonas" was "My Name Is Loomis." Oh, I didn't I know that. that. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, Weezer also friends of uh, Wax. I guess they live. Some of them live together. Uh, they, um, you know, they they played a lot together. And uh, I'm trying to remember what the point. Like uh, Soda from Wax yeah. would always talk about you know like how Wax had this uh, you know book of like you know places to like numbers to call it a book a tour and uh, Weezer like ate that and like you know just stole all the numbers and stuff like that and <laughs> uh. and um, uh, a, in the beginning of uh, the sweater song you hear that guy going oh wow that yeah. was so great that's them kind of poking fun at Joe Sib the singer of Wax oh. <laughs> yeah these are all things I learned from uh, Soda wow yeah Wax. I wish it had been my name is Lucas. I know. That's um, 90s L.A. alternative <laughs> rock trivia for you. Uh, yeah, my name is Loomis. There is, a, there is like a version somewhere out there. Oh, wow. They still say it. Loomis, you could, I'm, I believe you could still see him DJing on uh, every night of the week at the Burgundy at Room. The Burgundy Room. Yeah. <laughs> and he puts out his own recordings as well. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's, like, he's like one of those dudes you're like, man, you're just going to be that guy forever. He lo- he's like, look the same age for a very, <laughs> very long time. Uh that's uh so you're just you're you're doing all the stuff and then now okay and then that's like a huge like cultural culturally relevant thing so now you got you you have a few of these culturally relevant things in your under your belt and then uh and we've just scratched the surface yeah i mean like yeah it's like you're pavement and- <laughs> yeah. i know i know it's like i can't it's hard to keep not, up yeah, because not, not to mention 
now is Odd Future, too. Uh, now you're, is Odd Future. Odd Future. And right. the, uh, the, the Meltdown. You're going to be directing the Meltdown pilot. Yeah. Announcement. Right. Are we allowed to? Sure. It's a pilot. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's coming out until Friday. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah Thursday. Thursday. Um, but yeah, like, uh, the, like the stand-up show that Kumail and I do with his wife, Emily, who produces it, uh, we're going to be doing a TV pilot for Comedy Central of it, uh, with Lance, uh, directing it and producing on it. And, uh, Neil and I standing in the back of probably, <laughs> you guys will probably end up helping shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to need to save some money. Yay. Um, we're the cheap option. It's hard to like <laughs> fucking get everything that is you into this, uh, that's why I say this non, you re- made it recurring weird. guest. Yeah. I guess yeah. like you're in town. We could always do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I went to, uh, I went to I mean, Jesus. We had one rock story and then one personal story and both of them were better than the first three episodes combined. Yeah. I do have a music. Don't undercut the show. You're a part fuck of them. You, you can't know. You're oh, fuck the them. show. Oh, I thought you meant the guests. No, the no guests. I'm talking about. I would, I would never insult the show. That's a, that's a, that's a bad rule. You can't be cooler than the, oh, the show you're on. That's what Olivia Munn did. Now look where she is. She's a movie star, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can even you can even go you're no dj doug pound (laughs) (laughs) we we gotta we gotta get him in here and have a battle of i do want to i do want to have doug in here and just like uh, have him just do it to the show while we're doing (laughs) it um yeah it's it's weird because like i know we got to wrap up soon but there's just there's too much there's too much don't feel weird about it this is just chapter one yeah the next episode chapter one okay yeah no, wait. Till the next episode. The last episode was the next episode. The last episode was the most the most recent episode. The most recent episode. The one before that was yeah. the, the next episode. Um, you know what? I'm going to play another song. I like to I like to play the songs that people send in. Uh, we've been getting a lot of good stuff. If you're in a, a band, uh, this is a um, this is a band called Danger Friends USA off of their album Traditional Men. They're from uh, they're from the Ventura County area, I believe. So here's Let Him Go.
Okay, that was Danger Friends USA with an exclamation point. I like bands that uh, put a little uh, a little flair in there with their exclamation points. My daughter. Um, what? My daughter has an exclamation point in her name. Really? Yeah. What's your daughter's name? Glory. Glory! <laughs> and it was a huge battle with the uh, Social Security Administration to get it on her birth certificate. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't for a long time, and then we didn't. We couldn't get her. Uh, you know, it makes any gift you give her so epic to glory. Yeah, <laughs> on her thirtieth birthday, they eventually gave in, and it's on her her legal name. That's great. Yeah. That's be <laughs> the Is it on her long idea. form birth certificate? <laughs> yeah. Politics. We'll see what that means tomorrow. Yeah, we're recording on Monday. So yeah, we, we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet. So if we seem chipper. <laughs> it's because we thought we had it in the book. Yeah, um, Lance, you uh, you did a full length. It's your first full length. No, no. Sorry, I'm gonna also say no. no. No, I'm sorry. The Slint documentary. What was the other? Uh, Slow Century, which is a pavement. God damn it! I, how come I keep on skipping over that? I fucking love that. Oh, you, you know, I used to fall asleep to the uh, to uh, the m- menu. Of Slow Century, oh. by the pavement documentary. It's uh, because it's just the beginning of uh, Spit on a Stranger on a loop. Yeah. And it's the most soothing fucking sound. <laughs> and like, because I watched it a lot. It was actually. Yeah. I, oh, you know what? I want to ask you about the guy. Who's the guy at the uh, El Ray show that keeps on egging everybody? That's Ryan, uh, who's one of the main people that works day to day at Drag City Records. And his name is Ryan Murphy. And he's a incredibly funny, smart, clever, conceptual guy in his own right. Um, and, but doesn't really present himself as a standup comedian, but certainly could work in that, yeah. that format or realm. All the people that drag city are pretty funny, smart, clever yeah. characters. He and Dan Koretsky are, are really remarkable. But anyway, that's, that's Ryan Murphy, friend of the band from drag city, but you know, Chicago guy who just happened to be out here for that show, who kind of went up and did that, persona that character it was great golden yeah k-rock golden voice guy um <laughs> shit i wonder if i, I want to fucking play that yeah. i wonder it's probably online just as that is, right yeah. um so yeah explain like what the concept of that guy is so uh pavement in 1999 we're playing at the el rey in california and this guy ryan murphy from drag city records goes up on stage and presents himself as though he's a local, you know, K-Rock DJ or Golden Voice promoter making announcements to the crowd before the band begins and just makes it as grueling and insufferable as it possibly could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's it's it's there's what's coming up is stuff from the Pitchfork Festival. Uh, um, maybe put El Rey. Yeah. Or Slow Century. I don't know if pe- yeah, Slow Century. I don't know if people know that it's the El Rey. You know, you're. It's been hard to find this stuff. I think someone. I, I imagine you can probably see the whole film on YouTube. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um. Or buy the DVD from Matador. Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> There's a lot on it. You know what? That probably is. It's not in the documentary. It's between music videos. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right. Well. Yeah. Let's cut out the whole part. Yeah. But the. Uh, the whole setup. Yeah. <laughs> That, but that, like, yeah, I, I was obsessing over that and always wondering what that guy yeah. was. Because you could tell he was so good at doing it. Yeah. Uh, and it just, like, like it was making people so angry. It was just turning a pavement <laughs> audience <laughs> into jocks. <laughs> into jocks. Like, <laughs> fuck you! Like, people were throwing shit at him. Uh, and you're like, you're great. like, wait, I thought we were at a pavement show. <laughs> 
going to compare button ups and. But you did the um, and also the weirdest it was I think uh, the weirdest placement of for I think Mark Eibold. Uh, his his interviews were just like wasn't he like he was like sitting against the, in the kitchen or like near a hallway? <laughs> I remember it was like, like a steam room or sauna. Yeah, yeah, it was all very interesting. It's kind of almost kind of like if you ever watched American Hardcore, that documentary where HR from Bad Brains his uh, his interview was uh, at the fountain near the fountain yeah. in uh, Griffith Park, and you just like he's just sitting down. He's like things were really crazy in those days, and then you just see a like a Mexican wedding just starting to get out <laughs> right behind him. And you see all these people while yeah. HR is in this white suit talking about the old days of hardcore. Yeah, um, it's like and all those decline of Western civilization interviews were always weird. Like what's what's the dude that was like floating in the pool with the bottles? Oh, that was Chris Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah. Chris Holmes from Wasp. From, uh, Wasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other Chris Holmes. The other Chris Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the uh, photographs of? Is it Brooke Shields with HR? No. Yeah, yeah, I what? did. It's hold on. Wait a minute. Yeah, it was Brooke Shields with HR, and then it was Nicole Kidman with uh, uh, Fife Dog from uh, um, Tribe Called Quest. Oh, for weird. some reason, both of those were on the same web page. But yeah, it was. Uh, no, no, no. You know what it was? Was uh, what eighteen year old? Yeah, it was eighteen year old, and they're getting high, smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to post this. Oh my god! All right, that's, that's awesome. hilarious. That's um, uh, oh, yeah. so you did you did the you slow century, which yeah. is a great documentary, um, and then what's coming out soon? Yeah, a film about a band from Louisville, Kentucky, called Slint. Legendary. The Spiderland is like a legendary album. Absolutely, yeah. That was one of those. those you know, when when you're starting to get into, you know, indie rock and all this stuff, that's one of those things where the guy that works was like, "Well, you have to get this," yeah. and yeah. then and then you're a kid, you're not really ready for it. That was you, that was <laughs> definitely the most like uh, important record of my high school. Yeah, with all my friends, like we thought we knew something that everyone didn't, and we yeah. had it, and uh, we played it, and we went on a ski retreat one time, and then there was a guitar there, and my friends started playing. Uh, washer, which is nice. probably the most bummer of bum out songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, out of a out of a fucking album of bummer songs. Yeah, and then so and then we're all kind of like s- not s- silently mouthing the words, but just kind of like Jesus, someone wash yourself in your tears, <laughs> <laughs> and then like look around. Oh, all the girls have left. Yes, <laughs> it's okay, Neil. They were never there in the first place. Oh no, they were. My friend met his wife that weekend. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Hold on. If it's the more you know one, I'm going to be very upset because I <laughs> you were going to play a more you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it's a little played out on this episode. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so you're going to do a do- you did the documentary on Slim, yeah. and is it all done? I believe it's all done. It's a very particular group of people to get through the approval process. Yeah. Um, but it feels like it's done. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I've been working on it for. 20 years. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Neil and I uh, kind of spoke extensively about them in yeah. 1999, 2000. When we met. Yeah. That's right. I, Neil, <laughs> Neil loves, like, he told me this story recently. Yeah. When we, I was working on the Mr. Show movie. Uh, and Lance, Mr. Show. We should have talked about Mr. Show. It's too many time. things, Next Lance. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to be in town yeah. more. Yeah. Okay. Because of this. And then we're, we're definitely going to have you back. I'm sure you're going to be a fan favorite. <laughs> Hashtag fan favorite. I'm Pete. <laughs> I uh, I was I was kind of I was working for the director of the film, and he did not know Lance, but Lance was brought on to do the behind the scenes uh, documentarian kind of role. 
and I was told to keep an eye on him. <laughs> <laughs> so I was enormously uncomfortable with that, and I, I think I walked over and I had my disc man and was listening to music. And Lance asked me, like, oh, what kind of music do you listen to? Which I hated that question, because where I grew up, if I ever mentioned a band I like, people would kind of go, what's that? Nah. <laughs> so I kind of, like, begrudgingly answered, and then when you're like, oh, yeah, I know them. And then I thought you were saying, like, I know them, like, I've heard of them. <laughs> Not, I know them, like, I used to live in a house with those guys. <laughs> shot 80 of their shows. And, like, yeah. In I'm 10 years, I'll be tour. releasing yeah. a documentary. Yeah, and then, like, you know, we talked about music, qu- yeah, quite a bit in those weeks in Atlanta. And then, uh, and then uh, towards the end, y- your wife came to the set, and I was like, oh, man, like, I really just botched my first impression with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am thinking I'm like, I got really great taste. And- That's so, like, let's try and, let's try and start from the beginning. Uh, and then, like, just name the things you've been a part of. It's a horrible, <laughs> way of, horrible way of doing it. Yeah, it doesn't play out like a, you know. <laughs> Everything's linear. Our lives are like a movie. Hold on. We'll just post a link to his list page. No, I just, I, I we are going to have you back. We are going to wrap up this show. Uh, thank you so much for being yeah. a part of it. I hope uh, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I did. Thank you. You big on you big on the hand claps? I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's lots of stuff on there besides the more you know and hand claps and you know booze. What? There's not. There is. I mean, pull, pull some from that Foo Fighters record. Wait, what? we can't. We can't. Oh, play. Some hand claps from the Foo yeah. Fighters. Oh yeah, yeah. Cha <laughs> cha. Um, so, Lance, you could be found uh, at Lance Banks on Twitter. Uh, Instagram for sure. I think Twitter. Yeah, well, your Instagram is great. You have a lot of uh, you have a lot of greatest hits, like old pictures of people hanging out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's great. Um, also, your uh, website is lancebangs dot com. Lancebangs dot com, and uh, thank you so much for being uh, part of it. Uh, Cash Hearts is our lovely producer at Hi. Cash Hearts. Uh, Neil Mahoney is. Uh, where can you be found on Twitter, Neil? At Lance Bangs on Twitter. All right, not your best work. <laughs> um, and I'm at Jonah Ray. We have a Twitter account at Jonah Radio. We have a Tumblr, jonahradio.tumblr.com. If you are in a band or you are a singer or a rapper or anything like that, please submit your music to uh, jonahradio at gmail.com. Also, we have a Facebook fan page. Jonah Radio is on Facebook. You can post stuff there and interact with other bands. It's already starting to, people are starting to like post their stuff and other people are commenting on it. It's a oh, lot of fun. Great. Um, and, uh, please, if you liked any of the bands that we played, go check them out, go see them live, go buy some songs off of iTunes or their band camp page or something, buy a shirt, just to, you know, support the bands. If you like them, uh, do your part to just kind of keep on making it so people will make music independently, uh, from any of the, uh, major labels. And, uh, I'm going to end the song, uh, Always apologies for the uh, first episode. Sorry very much. So Apologies for the first episode. And uh, be sure if you want to also support the show, you can go and buy uh, T-shirts at bluecollardistro.com. There's a bunch of shirts there. We're going to have some Jonah Radio shirts coming soon. So go there. And we're going to end out this uh, episode with Where I Belong by one of my favorite bands from Atlanta right now called Turf War. So please. Why that? Why that? I, just, I was trying to get one in under the wire. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. I uh, 
Appreciate that. So, uh, yeah. Thanks to everyone for listening this far. We'll definitely have Lance back soon. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Turf War, Where I Belong. dot com.